Welcome, Gridiron Gang. We are happy to have you here with us once again. Episode 10. Time flies. Time flies. Episode 10. We are starting NFC offseason. Winners and losers. We have a good episode this week and next week as well. Next, we will be talking about the AFC side of the, of the NFL. But this week, we took take a look at the NFC. Who were the offseason winners and losers? And for this, we are including not only trades, not only signings in the offseason, but also what happened in the draft. So it's very important because we're going to take it all, put it together, compress it, and then tell you a couple of teams each. Drew has prepared a couple. I've prepared a couple. We'll tell you why these teams are the winners and the losers of the NFC. Drew, how are you doing? Doing good, man. It's incredible that it's double digits. Uh, Take that to my friends who thought I would fizzle out after a week or two. Uh, I really enjoy doing this. I don't really, I do care about the people that listen to it for sure, but I'm not going to worry about the numbers. Uh, If just because we're not, you know, mainstream on ESPN talking about stuff doesn't mean I'm not going to enjoy doing this. I enjoy this talking about sports with one of my very good friends and just listening to other people share their opinions about their teams. This is, this is what I love. And uh, I'm very glad that we we've kept with it for 10 episodes. Let's, let's, let's go for a hundred more. That's exactly right. I, I, I love it too. I, uh, I enjoy uh, getting together once a week uh, if not more, like last week, yeah, and just kind of taking a little break from from the world and from especially especially the time we're living in now, but just kind of chatting. That's what it feels like. I know we you know we prepare our episodes, we do uh, the best we can with our minimal knowledge, but we uh, we just have fun and we just chat. That's what it feels like, and and I like it. I like it as well, and I agree. Let's keep on going and. I think I've said it once before. We are working on uh, a YouTube channel, and we plan on getting that up and running pretty soon here. And we will record these podcasts into video forms as well, so you guys can follow us on YouTube. And we hope that it'll help us grow as well. But all right, let's get things going. Breaking news. All right, we've got a little bit of news this week here, and uh, some of them, some of them really good. Some of them leave you with some questions. Andy Dalton, that was released by the Bengals, has now signed a one-year deal worth seven million dollars with the Dallas Cowboys. Drew, I know we you are going to be talking about the Cowboys here in this episode. Uh, are you going to be talking about Andy Dalton, or do you want to go ahead and talk about that now? No. Nope. Uh, Andy Dalton is kind of – people want to read into it that, you know, he's kind of a backup plan in case Dak holds out. I don't want to read, read into it. Uh, I think that Andy Dalton is a proven starter in this league for sure. And I, I honestly thought he was going to go to, like, the Patriots. The and, Patriots, right. And But he didn't. It's okay. Patriots are going to do something else. but. Uh, Andy Dalton is probably overqualified for uh backup. One year, seven million dollars. 
whatever. Um, I think that don't read into this. I, I do believe that Dakota Prescott will be the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys once the season rolls around. Yeah, um, you're probably right, but it definitely it definitely le- leaves some questions out there and makes this a very intriguing signing for sure. Because given what happened last year with Zeke, with Elliot, I mean, I, Cowboys fans have to be going not not again, not yeah. again. But I will say though that at least in this case, um, Tony Pollard did great um, first few games that he had to play. Uh, but Andy Dalton, you're right; he's overqualified for a backup role. I mean, I'm not saying he's just you know a great quarterback. He's probably middle of the pack, but he could start very very well. Start in a lot of teams in the league. So if he does step in and and play, Cowboys will probably be fine. But it definitely leaves a lot of people questioning, and it leaves Cowboys fans out there nervous for sure. Let's move on to Mitchell Trubisky. A little bit in the news here. His fifth-year option has been declined by the Chicago Bears. So now, does this mean they they are moving on from him? And they're going with Nick Foles. This is a quarterback who was given a lot of money. Nick Foles was, and Trubisky was invested a lot into his career with the you know first round pick, moving up to get him, and it hasn't worked out. It you looks know, it's like crazy. They, you... This will be a true quarterback competition now for sure. It's crazy when you look at it. I'm looking at right now the 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 fifth year option tracker. You have Miles Garrett, who went number one overall. He's exercised. Mitchell Trubisky declined. Solomon Thomas declined. Leonard Fournette declined. Corey Davis declined. Let's see. You have Hassan Reddick at pick number 13 declined. Malik Hooker, the Colts safety, declined. Uh, Garrett Bowles, Gerard Davis, Charles Harris exercise uh, are all declined. Evan Ingram got declined uh, ex- exercise even though I thought he was going to be declined. Gary Conley declined, Tat McKinley declined, uh, Ruben Foster declined. It's just it, it's crazy how you think that these guys that were drafted, you know, they thought they were going to be these generational talents like Leonard Fournette and Corey Davis, they're declined. They just have not panned out. And it goes to show you that in the first round, you're not guaranteed a franchise guy. Yeah, that that is a fantastic point you bring up because we just got done a few weeks ago with our draft this year, and just look at the quarterbacks. We have Joe Burrow, Tua, Justin Herbert, Jordan Love, all taken in the first round, and out of those four, two are probably going to bust, and maybe three, if not all four. It's very interesting when you when you look at the numbers and how often. Um, especially quarterbacks, end up not panning out the w- the way they were being um, projected coming out of uh, college. So it is very interesting. I think I think you're right. I think, oh man, Corey Davis, what a letdown he was, or he has been. I'm mad and, about it. No, no. Well, definitely the Titan yeah. fans are. But <laughs> moving on to another. Another news, this one a little more somber. Don Shula, the winning winningest coach of all time, 
one of the greatest pro football Hall of Famer, has passed away. He won two Super Bowls and holds the NFL's only perfect season with the 72 Dolphins. And as well, holds the most regular season wins of all time with 328. Don Shula has passed one of the greats of this sport. So, of course, our thoughts and prayers with his family as they uh, mourn his death. Do you have anything to say about Don Shula? Uh, we need a chance. Uh, look up Don Shula's coaching tree. Uh, if you've never heard of Don Shula, um, I'm I'm sad for you uh, because he's he's everything that is the NFL today. Even though he hasn't coached for a very long time, it's it's crazy if you look at the coaching tree. And uh, he he is he is a, a godfather. He was the youngest coach at one time, the youngest head coach at the time, and he comes in and just dominates. He, he coached against um, the Jets when the Colts, when the Baltimore Colts, when Johnny Unitas, he was head coach of the Colts. Uh, I think he actually played for the Colts too, but I'm not sure. Uh, but he is a, he is a fantastic representation of success and. I hope, like you said, our our thoughts and prayers are with his family. We are going to ho- go ahead and get started with the meat and bones of this episode. Winners and losers of the offseason in total, including all the offseason movements and the draft. Of course, there's a lot of movements that are yet to be made. There's a lot of players still out there looking for a team. Unbelievably so, perhaps, Cam Newton. Still out there looking for a team. Jadavian Clowney. So great players are still out there. Great moves to be made. But as of today, what we have, we are going to go ahead and start with the winners. So, Drew, I think we should do... I'll, I'll start with my one of my winners, and then you'll do one of your winners, and we'll go like that. How's that sound? That works for me. Okay, one of my first winners. Then this is in no, at, le- at least mine are in no particular order. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, perhaps, or the Tampa Bay Brady's, as you want to call them, however you want to call them. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers definitely are one of the winners in my books. Tom Brady, let's start there. Not the biggest of upgrades, and I know. It's Tom Brady. He's the GOAT, or whatever you want to say. But I'm telling you, not the biggest of upgrades anymore. And why? Well, he's 42. He's been declining slowly over the past few years. He's still an upgrade, though. Uh, it's the package, though, of everything they've done in this offseason that makes this team the winners. And Tom Brady, of course, is a big piece of the puzzle. But he's only one piece of the puzzle. So that is why I'm saying, and starting by saying, that it's the totality of what they've done this offseason that, in my books, makes them winners but of course tom brady wally veteran first ballot hall of famer six-time super bowl champion and he's replacing 30 for 30 mr Jameis winston but look Jameis is still young and i do believe the saints were very smart in signing him to a one-year deal we'll talk about that later but back to tom brady and the buccaneers we talked about it in episode six the tampa bay signed uh lyman joe haig from indianapolis and how we talked about how versatile he is 
and what a great addition to any squad this is. Of course, they traded for Gronk. Let's not forget about that. Bringing in someone familiar to Tom Brady, which is going to be very important, especially in these times where it looks like the the, the offseason and preseason schedule might get fluctuated a little bit. Last week, we talked about Tristan Wirfs. The stud offensive lineman, 6'5", 320 pounds. I don't know, if Drew, if you saw that video of him jumping straight out of a pool and landing perfectly. That was impressive. You can't do that? Oh, I'm sure I can, but I'm also not 6'5", 320 pounds. I am a little bit smaller. You know, they follow up in the draft by bringing in players that can come in right away and produce, or so it looks like. And I think this turns this team into a perfect fit for Tom Brady. It was already good pick, but now it's it's starting to turn into a perfect fit. They bring in Antoine Winfield, we talked about last week, safety from Minnesota. In the third round, they take Kashawn Vaughn, a running back from Vandy. He's an explosive back, good pass catcher. But most importantly for Tom Brady, perhaps, he's a great pass-blocking running back. And we we know that Tom Brady's not the most agile, elusive quarterback anymore. And we have, you know, Tampa Bay is going to have to protect him and keep him on his feet. So a good pass blocking running back is imperative. And on the defensive end, of course, we talked about them placing a tag on Shaq Barrett, signing JPP to a two-year deal on this defense that was already improving by the end of last year. So all this combined, Tampa Bay winners. They're looking to become Super Bowl contenders. Is that asking for too much? Perhaps. Uh, I don't know if they, they will be Super Bowl contenders year one. But then again, how much time does Tom Brady have? I think they are going to go all out, all in on this year. And so we will see if they will be Super Bowl contenders. Only time will tell. But offseason winners for sure. Drew, do you have anything to add to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Maybe you disagree. No, I think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers definitely have a nice little window uh, to win the next two years for sure. Uh, I don't think that Tom Brady physically is there as he used to be, but mentally I think he's one of the best like game managers. So I don't, I don't disagree with you there. I think that they have something really special brewing in Tampa Bay, but we'll see – like with a lot of teams in the past, you know, you have the 2009 Eagles that were deemed themselves the, the dream team or yeah, it was a dream team. And then you had, um, what was it? 2013 or 14 Colts that were like such huge favorites and to win the Super Bowl, And then they just fell right on their face. Uh, and, you know, there's in the Browns last year, remember, they dubbed them the, the AFC uh, representatives in the Super Bowl. That was a mistake, though. Uh, yeah, but I'm just saying a lot of things. Yeah, I think that they have something special. I'm not, I'm not crowning them anything. I, I agree with you that they are definitely winners this offseason. Yeah, for sure. So let's move on ahead. Who are who is the first team that you are going to dub as winners this offseason? So I say all that to say about, like, don't go ahead and crown somebody, like, the best when I'm going to come in here and crown the Dallas Cowboys offseason, one of the best I've ever seen. How about them Cowboys? I know that the Cowboys are always kind of the laughingstock of the NFL, uh, you know, because they, they want to they wanna live in the 90s and, and, and talk about how many Super Bowls they won, this, that, and the other. 
But this time, this is the biggest offseason I've ever seen Jerry Jones put together in a long time. They hire Mike McCarthy to be their head coach and brings in some great new fresh faces in the coaching staff. I think J- Jason Garrett, not to hate on him, wore out his welcome. His message just, I think, became stale. And the whole clapping all the time just didn't help. But I think Mike McCarthy, he comes in here. He can come in and definitely make something uh, something work with this offense and what the weapons they have. Other than the fact that they haven't locked up their quarterback and he's still not signed his franchise tag and overpaid Amari Cooper, Jerry has had an amazing season. I, I offseason, I mean, he he's just done something amazing. He bolstered their defensive line by signing Gerald McCoy and Dante Poe. Haha, Clinton Dix could help this secondary. He's on a one-year deal, prove-it deal, which can help motivate him to play at a very high level he used to play. And they have a new kicker, Greg Zerline, coming to Dallas. Greg the leg. Greg the leg. Uh, I think that he he's definitely an upgrade from what they had. Jerry told the scouting, let's get to the, let's get to the draft because this is where he it really like got it, juicy for them. <laughs> it was good. It was really good. Jerry told literally told the scouting department to forget his number and that he was going to do the, the make the draft decisions alone in solitude on his two hundred fifty million dollar boat. In doing yacht. so, huh? It's a yacht. It's a boat. His yacht is a boat. <laughs> <clears throat> in doing so. He was able to make a few amazing decisions. Somehow, Oklahoma receiver C.D. Lamb fell to them at pick number 17. It is something, it is said that they weren't looking for a receiver, which, you know, Amari Cooper, the $100 million man, and Michael Gallup, who had a pretty good year, they, they didn't have a bad receiving core. But when you have possibly the best receiver in this class fall to you at pick number 17, you take them. CD offers something that is special. He is a he has a range of cap- capabilities that offers a whole new dimension to the Dallas offense. My player comparison to him to to CD is DeAndre Hopkins. He has that kind of possession receiver special. special he's just got special hands. He comes in there and just makes something happen. He's not he's not faster than anybody everybody else. He's not going to jump over people consistently. He just makes stuff happen. And and I, I'm so excited to see what he can do in this offense with, with what Mike McCarthy has planned for him. Michael Gallup established, established himself as a number two guy in Big D last year. But I think Lamb could come in here and challenge them for the spot, whether it be Lamb can play him in the, in, the, in the slot or in the outside or whatever. Uh, there's some knocks that say that CD hasn't really played a lot against the press coverage. We're not sure what he could do against that. But I think, you know, when you have Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and CD lining up in uh, pass formation, and then you have, you know, Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield, you you have to pick your poison at some point. In round two, pick number 51, Jerry takes Alabama cornerback Trayvon Diggs. This is an amazing value considering some draft experts – had him as a round one caliber player. This is probably their biggest position of need too, since they lost Byron Jones in the offseason. He is a proven defender that had some great production against some formidable teams in the SEC. Uh, I'm not going to go through all of the draft, but I want to highlight one more here. He has uh, he picked up 
in round four. They take a center out of Wisconsin, Tyler Biedes. Travis Frederick retired, unfortunately, this offseason after dealing with his autoimmune disease, which caused his muscles to have weaknesses and, and breathing problems. We at Gridiron Gang hope that he has a happy retirement and can find a better quality of life as he deals with his health. The Cowboys lose a center from Wisconsin, so they draft another one from Wisconsin where they have a lot of succeeding, a lot of success running the ball, which I'm sure Ezekiel Elliott will appreciate. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think about that, Pedro? Oh, I, I think that 100% the Cowboys are winners. Uh, the draft alone was incredible for them, especially uh, th- they get perhaps a generational talent, uh, at least caliber wide receiver in uh, C.D. Lamb. So I'm very interested to see what they do because it, this is a good abundance of options. You know, they have Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb. One of them has got to be open just about every play. Exactly. It's almost inevitable. So, and if they're not, uh, dump it off to Ezekiel Elliott or, or maybe start out by running and pounding the ball down the middle and open up the passing game. So I'm very interested in this team we saw what Dak did last year he had a, a an amazing year and if he can if, if him and the Cowboys can either you know come to an agreement and sign him long term or if he signs his tag either way this is going to be one of the better offenses in all of the NFL for sure absolutely well let's move on my second winner of this offseason the Washington Redskins. Okay, what Redskins are winners, and it all started when they hired Ron Rivera, a defensive-minded, no-nonsense coach that's had success in Carolina, taking them to a Super Bowl. I like Ron Rivera. He's uh, something about him makes me believe in him and in his success, and I feel like that he transmit that transmits that to his players. That sense of of belief in believing in him and believing in in what he wants them to do. And so they've gone about it very well this offseason. We talked about how they brought in some defensive helps, the likes of cornerback Super Bowl champion Kendall Fuller, who returns to Washington, and linebacker from Carolina, Thomas Davis, who had a career year last year and knows this defense coming from the previously Ron Rivera-led team of the Carolina Panthers. And speaking of knowing this scheme and knowing this a coach, but now on the offensive side of the ball, they brought in quarterback Kyle Allen and signed him. And I said it before, but I'll say it again. This signing, although when it happened, it was interesting, but perhaps that's it. But this signing could be could actually end up being one of the most important signings in the offseason in the whole league because of the day one impact that it may have on the team. Let's remember that Ron Rivera said that if there's an adjusted schedule of practices, or, or they, they start missing practices and whatnot because of COVID, Allen will be the starter. So we know that he's obviously more familiar with the offensive scheme than Haskins is. He was there. He played last year. He, he had some decent games. And we know, of course, that um, there's still uncertainty, even though things are starting to look up. 
there is still uncertainty. So because of that, I think this could be one of the most important signings of the whole offseason. We're talking about the most important position on a team, and this could be their week one starter. We all know they drafted the best player in, in, in this year's draft, perhaps, Chase Young, leader in sacks for the Ohio State uh, Buccaneers. Young is added to a group of three Buckeyes, Ohio State Buckeyes. What did I say? Buccaneers, didn't I? Yes. Buckeyes, sorry about that. (laughs) But, okay, so Chase Young is added to a group of three other first-round draft picks, Drew. This is incredible. Monte Sweat, Deron Payne, and Jonathan Allen. 46 sacks last year. 46 sacks for this team. They were 10th overall in sacks in the NFL last year. And so this is only going to bolster that with a talent like Chase Young. And, you know, we should also keep an eye out for Antonio Sweat, the running back slash wide receiver that was drafted in the third round out of Memphis. He's a big runner. He's six foot, 228 pounds, four, three, nine speed. They can take damage and keep going. He's listed as a wide receiver as of right now on NFL.com. But like I said, he also played running back in college. He's, he only had 77 touches in college and he scored 14 touchdowns. Yes, of course, still largely unproven, but an exciting prospect for sure. I'm not saying that the Redskins are going to go out there and, and win a bunch of games and make it to the playoffs, of course. All I'm saying is that they're off-season winners. They've gone about it the right way, and they're building towards a future, a future. And that's what we're looking at in this episode. Drew, do you agree with me, disagree with me? Are the Washington Redskins winners this off-season? Absolutely. Rome was not built in the day. And I think that Ron Rivera, who was head coach of the year twice, has the capability of, he has the tools in Washington to have great success, especially with that many first round picks on their front seven, especially with the number two overall pick, Chase Young. I think that he's, he's a defensive guy. He played linebacker he was linebackers coach defensive coordinator now he's head coach he can make something happen definitely maybe he can work something up to where he can stop that that Dallas offense but we'll see what he can do in the offense because Kyle Allen while he is familiar with the offense that Ron Rivera probably wants to run he's still not like you know he's third tier at best you know yeah so yeah definitely we'll not long-term answer <laughs> I do think that they are on the track to be a great team, but and they are winners this offseason for sure. Yeah, I'm just not expecting a lot. I say able to say I don't expect a ton of them this season. Like I don't expect them to like go to the playoffs. No, oh, uh, absolutely, absolutely, and I'm right there with you. Just another winner. Okay, I'm gonna go with the Arizona Cardinals. Oh, Two words. Yes. Two words here, DeAndre Hopkins. Okay, next team. Ha <laughs> ha. Not really. <laughs> uh, but this team has every ability to win their division. I know the Seahawks are standing in their way, as are, I know, the, the San Francisco 49ers. But let me put it this way. I'll get the obvious out of the way. The Cardinals are probably really mean people for robbing the Texans absolutely blind from their incompetent head coach slash general manager, Bill O'Brien, they say a second round pick for your and your and your running back for a grossly bloated contract. Sure, 
We'll take that off your hands. And for your best offensive weapon, arguably the best possession receiver in the game. The Cardinals dump David Johnson's $40 million contract on the Texans, Mm. only having a $6 million cap hit, giving their former number one overall draft pick, Kyler Murray, someone to really develop with as a passer. And their wide receiver core isn't bad. I mean, before, they have Larry Legend, Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella. These guys aren't somebody to write off. They signed Jordan Phillips to a three-year deal worth $30 million and outside linebacker Kevin Kennard to a three-year deal worth $20 million, which these guys are quality starters on defense. And they have Chandler Jones, who I think is probably one of the most underrated defensive players in the league. Now, let's go for the draft. They only had six picks in this draft, but they absolutely killed the draft. I want to talk about their first two picks. Now, before, you know, they, we talked about declining fifth-year options. Yeah, they they declined their former first-round pick, Hassan Reddick. Now, people criticized them for taking that pick because he really, at the time, didn't have a set position. Was he a linebacker or was he a defensive end? The, the, the coach at the time said, you know what, doesn't matter. We're just going to put him on the football field and make things happen. Well, unfortunately, he still doesn't have a position. He still plays defense, but he just hasn't developed into that special player that he is, that they thought he was going to be. Enter 2020. Isaiah Simmons is on the board at number eight overall, and he comes in and can play defense. That's something that kind of sounds redundant because, like, you know, they had a failed project in Hassan Reddick. They say he'll play linebacker, Isaiah Simmons will, but I believe he can do so much more than that. I imagine Vance Joseph will use him in some really creative ways because Hassan Reddick didn't have 4-3 speed. You know, like, he, he's somebody that can come in here and spy Russell Wilson and erase George Kittle in coverage. He's a special player in the first-round pick. I, I think that, that that speed, his size, he's at 6'4", 220, 215, or something like that. He, he, can, he can play. Like, we, we talked about it last episode and, and where he, he, he plays all over the place. And I think that he is um, very, very special and he can make a big impact on this team. Next, I want to talk about is Josh Jones. Josh Jones had no business lasting until the third round. People knocked him because he came from a smaller school defending against questionable talent, but he actually def- dominated in the AAC. A lot of people, including me, thought he could go in the later rounds, uh, sorry, the later picks of the first round. He's one of the biggest steals of this draft a plug-and-play starter from the beginning to protect your number one overall pick last year, Kyler Murray. What do you think, Pedro? I love this. I said it, I um, can't remember if it was last week or a couple of weeks ago, but the Arizona Cardinals are one of my favorite teams that I'm looking forward to watching play this year, and that only grew in the draft because Isaiah Simmons is such a special player. I think you touched on it very, very well. We talked about it last week in more detail about all the positions that he played in and the snap counts he did in each position. It's impressive the versatility he has. It's impressive the speed, the strength, everything he can do. 
And I can't wait to see him going up against Russell Wilson and trying to erase George Kittle in coverage. I'm very happy that things, you know, played out like this for Arizona because they were already a intriguing and forward-minded um, team, especially in offense. And now, like I said, they're one of my favorite teams to look out for. Wait, wait, wait. Are they in contention with the Detroit Lions to be your favorite team? <laughs> that perhaps, yeah, perhaps, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll put we'll put them on that uh, uh, short list of uh, uh, teams that uh, that are being added every day as uh, possible possible landing spots for for me. We'll see. We'll see for sure. Uh, I want to talk about the New Orleans Saints and. This is a team, look, I'm listening to Miss Winners. I understand that they were mostly already kind of ready to go before the offseason. Moves were even made. Uh, they were established. Uh, and I think, uh, I know, Drew, that as we were prepping for this episode, you said you were interest, interested to see kind of why I thought of them as winners. And to me, it's pretty simple. They didn't lose much from this already established team. This team that, honestly, two years ago, they should have been in the Super Bowl. And last year, they lose to the Vikings at home. So, this is already an established team. They didn't lose that much. And they added great pieces this offseason. Safety Malcolm Jenkins Jenkins returns. He's uh, And two-time Pro Bowler and Super Bowl champion Emmanuel Sanders is added to this team as well. This will give Drew Brees a good, if not great, dependable weapon other than Michael Thomas. And that's only great for this already potent offense. Of course, they, we previously mentioned uh, the future Hall of Famer, one of the most accurate quarterbacks of all time, Drew Brees. He is returning for one more year. And in the draft, they took guard Cesar Ruiz, which with their first pick. And then in the third round, they take one of the in my opinion, one of the better linebackers in this draft in Wisconsin's Zach Bond gives him an athletic linebacker that can do good in coverage and provides pressure off the edge. At the end of the day, this is already or was already a complete roster and a a battle-tested roster, a winning roster, who in the past three years has an NFL best 37 wins. And now with all these offseason moves that we talked about, sure they're not marquee, they're not big, and they're want, they weren't numerous, but they're important. Malcolm Jenkins in the safety position, Emmanuel Sanders, Zach Bond linebacker. I'm telling you, this team is ready for another Super Bowl run. And I think I hope because it's very important. I hope the NFL season goes on without hiccups and and. As, as scheduled, because players like Drew Brees, like Tom Brady, their time's almost up. Their time's almost up. Their windows are closing. And I want to see this team make another Super Bowl run. I want to see Tom Brady and what he does in Tampa. And it would be very sad if we lose a whole year of Drew Brees, Tom Brady. It will feel like we're being robbed of something. I don't know if if uh if I'm being uh 
clear here, Drew, but it, it you know what I'm saying? If this season doesn't go on as projected and as scheduled, or it gets canceled in any way, players like Drew Brees, players like Tom Brady, when their windows are closing, this is their opportunity. And I would love to see it played out. I I, I think that you're right. That this is they are winners this offseason, but my concern about them, that's what the reason why I questioned you because is that there were no real, like, other than, like, yeah, Cesar Ruiz is going to be good for years to come, hopefully. But there were no, like, long-term answers. This was all... Oh, for sure. All your this eggs... Is, this in one basket, all your yeah. eggs in one basket right here. You have you have this year, it, it's Super Bowl or bust right, right now. And that's where I... That's why I questioned you, because, like... I, I, in my mind, I did the draft and like stuff like this for sustained success. You know, like these guys signed for three contracts, three year contracts or, or more in, in the offseason. They, they draft these great talents that can be their, their future. This, this is, this is it. it it's like a wall is 2021 because you have all these different players that are becoming free agents and stuff like that. And, uh, I, I agree that they're winners this off season. I just this 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 whole thing is just so top heavy that I I think that right now Drew Brees' time is up. I can say right now I don't think uh, you, you can make me eat my words later. This is a hot take, whatever. It could be a freezing cold take one day. I don't think the Saints win the Super Bowl, and they might go to the Super Bowl, but they will not win it. So. Um, I think that it's now towards the younger generation, the Lamar Jacksons, the Patrick Mahomes, the you know, fill in the blank. This is this is this this is the passing of the torch, as it, it were. And that this is kinda be gonna be a hard reality for those people like like Big Ben, Drew Brees, uh Philip Rivers, you name it, like somebody that was older. It, it, it's it's time to pass the torch. No, you're you're 100% right, and honestly, uh, this is a team that may be on this same episode next year as losers, because they are going to lose <laughs> a lot. They yeah. are going, they you know, a, a lot of their team is uh, <clears throat> older in, in years. So, but I do think that they make the the few moves they made made the team that was already complete, that's already established and battle tested better. And we haven't even talked about Jameis Winston. Not that that you know puts them over the edge to win the Super Bowl or anything, but nope. I I think it's a it's a good opportunity if if they believe in the talent, if they believe in the thirty touchdown part of his play. It's a good opportunity to see if Sean Payton and this uh, coaching staff can kind of turn it around and turn those thirty interceptions into fifteen. Because if they can do that. They may have Drew Brees' replacement. All right, I'm going to get to my final winner. I'm going to go with the Minnesota Vikings. I think that they did a great job of managing their roster. The only big signing they made was Michael Pierce, who I really like. He's a monster in the middle of that defense to help Daniel Hunter and Anthony Barr when they come off the edge. But let's get to the draft, okay? This is where I really think that they made a big splash. I'm not going to be able to get all of the picks because they had a whopping 15 
And so I'm just going <laughs> to touch on some of the high points. Uh, they take Justin Jefferson. After he falls in their lap, when the Eagles decide to go a different direction at wide receiver, Jefferson offers a ton of protection from LSU. He has the link to find ways to make things happen and get open. Love the pick for me. Uh, and Sorry, love the pick. And for me, as a fan of the game, I was just it was just so obvious to take this player, and he had been passed up. Glad I'm glad the Vikings just didn't like overthink this pick. So again, I think that this is something that you just couldn't get wrong. And I'm glad that they just were just obvious. Yeah, let's get this guy. They traded back from the 25th pick um, and go with the uh, 49ers. They they trade with the 49ers to the 31st pick to get, in my opinion, the best corner available at this point. A position I thought they needed the most after cutting three huge pieces in that defense and Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes, and McKenzie Alexander. I think the Dolphins really reached for Noah, Noah Igabagahi uh, from Auburn, which I don't really know that they really needed a corner considering they had the best corner duo in the draft, at least on paper. But I, get, but I digress. Uh, Gladney is going to be a great plug-and-play corner. Next, they, they, they drafted offensive, court, uh, sorry, offensive tackle Ezra Cleveland out of Boise State, a player who a lot of people could have gone in the first round. A lot of people were making the connection to uh, maybe the Browns taking him. But I think that this pick is such good value because you can never go wrong with offensive linemen because you, you win in the trenches. Case in point, and all you have to do is just you have a great offensive line, good things will happen which he helps well with that depth. Uh, I thought they got great value in the third round from drafting the cornerback Cam Dantzler. He has good, he had really good production at Mississippi State, and anytime you draft a guy uh, from the SEC, it's a win for me, especially whenever they have great production. Fun fact, okay, Cam Dantzler had his first collegiate inter- interception from... The current NFL MVP, Lamar Jackson, when the Mississippi State Bulldogs played the Louisville Cardinals in the Tax Slayer Bowl. That's, you know, I guess that's important. He's picked off, he's already picked off the uh, NFL MVP. Last one I want to touch on is linebacker Troy Dye. He comes out of Oregon. He led in tackles all four years he played in Oregon. The reason he slid so far in the draft was he can't keep weight on. Teams are worried that his thin frame could lead to injury. I think that if this kid can invest in some peanut butter and some milk, he could be a quality <laughs> starter for Vikings in years to come. I think overall, I would just like to say that the Vikings, while having some really big losses, reloaded very nicely. I have little to no reason to doubt they can go really deep into the playoffs this season. I agree. Dalvin Cook. Just needs to stay healthy. Yeah. Because he's integral. He is a huge part in this offense. And he's had, you know, his uh, injury history in the past. So if he can stay healthy, if Justin Jefferson can kind of slide into that Dalvin Cook role uh, with a good transition and produce early, this team's going to be dangerous for sure. They, They have a good defense. They just extended Kirk Cousins. They still have 
they still have Adam Thielen. So I agree. I'm definitely looking to the, for, for big things from this team moving forward into this season. Oh, it's now everybody's not-so-favorite time. The losers of the NFC. You know, we felt like there wasn't that many losers this, really this season. I feel like a lot of teams had adequate drafts uh, enough to, to keep them out of this segment. But there was a few, for sure. So I want to yeah. go ahead and kick, get us kicked off with the Green Bay Packers. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I know we had our guest here a few weeks ago, Chase, a Packer fan that was okay with the moves they made in the draft. Maybe he had coped with it already and was reasoning with it pretty well. <laughs> I know he feels confident. He, he, you know, he even said Super Bowl run. Uh, maybe he even win it. And although I love the enthusiasm and I'd love for Rodgers uh, to win it again, uh, Devontae Adams is one of my favorite wide receivers. I still think they were losers this offseason. And, and you can't change my mind. They, I mean, they were losers. We talked about them losing Blake Martinez, Brian Balaga, and the impact that these players, these integral parts of the team, uh, the impact that it can have on a team after losing them. They did add Devin Functions, Functions, excuse me, the offseason, but is that going to help out, really? You know, he's a, bit, a veteran, big-bodied wide receiver. Maybe he's a red zone target, but that's it. And then we go to the draft, and here's where they really cemented their role on this list. On the day of the draft, Aaron Rodgers shared his round one wishes with Pat McAfee when he said, and I quote, we haven't picked a skill player in the first round in 15 years, so that would be kind of cool, end quote. Well, they did absolutely that. They got a skill player. It just wasn't the position that Aaron Rodgers was hoping or thinking, I am sure. Quarterback Jordan Love, they move up. And they draft him by giving up an additional fourth round pick. Here's the deal. Aaron Rodgers is fresh off his eighth Pro, Pro Bowl season, leading the Packers to a 13-3 NFC title game year. Great year by all accounts. But Rodgers did this without the weapons that he really needed. It's almost impressive that they had 13 wins. And I know a lot of that was on the back of Aaron Jones in a great year that he had. I think he had like 16 touchdowns or something like that. A great year by Aaron, Ro Aaron Jones. But still, you really thought, I thought, a lot of people thought. I know, you, Drew, you, we talked about this uh, on previous episodes. You thought they were going to take a wide receiver as well. But they didn't. They take, presumably, his replacement in Jordan Love. And there was news that Aaron Rodgers apparently did call. Jordan Love on Friday night after the draft to congratulate him. So good on good on Rogers for doing that. I hope that he's a good mentor and I hope he teaches him a lot of decision making, especially because Jordan Love a lot of a lot was raved about him, uh, even comparing him to Patrick Mahomes. The agility, the talent, the physical price is there. 
It is. He's a great prospect. It's his decision-making that has a lot of questions for a lot of people. But I would love to be a fly in that quarterback room, a fly on the wall in that quarterback room with Rodgers, Jordan Love. I'd like to see how how is Jordan Love um, being um, treated by Aaron. And we'll see if they can uh, bring him up and potentially in the future two, three years down the road, be his replacement. They take a running back in the second round, again, ignoring the apparent, or at least apparent to us, needs of the team. Oh, and what about the third round, though? Surely they took a wide receiver in the third round. No, they take a run-blocking tight end. Just what seemed to me at least very odd from Green Bay. I know our friend Chase is very excited for the new year, and as he should be, he's a fan. But I will not yield. And I will continue to say that the Packers are one of the biggest losers this offseason. Yeah, I agree that they made a lot of questionable decisions. I think that was kind of more of like a power play. They're not going to let they're not going to let uh, Aaron Rodgers, LeBron James them by saying like they're just kind of saying we're in, we're in control of this team, not you. Well, I don't really like a lot of their their picks. Uh, I do like A.J. Dillon at the Boston College. He is a grown man running the ball, and I think that he's going to have a lot of success in the red zone for sure. We'll see what happens there. But I do agree with a lot of your takes on why we're just not really impressed by their offseason. It's just I do think – I still think that even though he was a liability in coverage, Blake Martinez was still somebody that could just be all over the field when it comes to stop making the play. And uh, we'll, we'll see how they do. Hopefully, Chase is right, and he can see, he can see Rogers hoist the Lombardi Trophy one more time before his time is up in Green Bay. Uh, let's move on to my first loser, <clears throat> and uh, I have some friends under this fan base, and I don't really want to insult them, but the Philadelphia no, just go Eagles, after them. I'm probably gonna have to dig into them because. This front office just didn't make any sense this season. I'm not really impressed with Philly at all. They lose starting off with tackle Jason Peters. He's not really retired officially yet, but he's he is 38 years old. Uh, I'm sure that he's probably going to see if he's got some left in the tank. But I think that the Eagles are going to let him uh, officially walk in the off season. Not really resign re- 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 him. They and they they let uh, their swing tackle. And I'm not going to try to pronounce his first name. I've butchered it so many times. So it, it's it's Viatai. He he uh, he signed with the Lions to be their their one of their tackles. Yeah, I know they have Andre Dillard, who was their first round pick last year, but he's unproven. They won a Super Bowl with Viatai, with Peters being out on an injury for 13 games. He's a, he's a capable swing guy. He comes in there. He replace, he, he replaces Lane Johnson when he gets hurt. He replaces uh, Jason Peters when he gets hurt. I don't understand why they don't bring him back for a little while and make sure that this Andre Dillard kid has something, you know, ready to prove. I'm not impressed with Javon Hargrave's contract. It could be a very nice value, but $40 million is a lot for what I consider a second tier player. They have a really good defensive line though with Fletcher Cox and all the and all those guys that are there up front. 
maybe Javon Hargrave could really fit fit in and mesh well. I don't know. I, I, that's what I'm just not really confident in. They desperately needed secondary and wide receivers. Watched from their former, they watched their former first round draft pick, Nelson Aguilar, walk in free agency because he had had and does have horrible drop problems. He became a joke. He was a novelty in, in, in Philadelphia, especially with that guy who was catching kids out of a burning building. He's like, unlike Aguilar. You know, this is, this is what this is. And, and so what do they do in the draft? They pass on a guy with Je- uh, like Justin Jefferson, who had amazing production in the SEC, was the Heisman winner's favorite target, and had four touchdown catches in the national title, title game. Four. Instead, they take a small, speedy guy out of the Big 12 that has some problems catching the ball, too. His name is Jalen Rieger. I, I do not understand at all. Like, I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a GM. I'm not a former player, like NFL player. Uh, I'm not a former coach or anything like that. But any football fan can say that none of this makes sense. You know, you have a guy that's proven he's he's a bigger bodied receiver. He can come in there and be that possession guy that it could be sure handed kind of guy. But no, they take a guy who's had a history of drops in, in college and they just move on. Like they're like, Yep, we did it on purpose. Let's go. Like, I, I don't understand that pick at all. I really don't. So let me move on to probably the most questionable pick. Possibly in this whole entire draft, Jalen Hurts is taken in the second round. Round. Mm. Let, let, let's uh, let's take a minute and break that down for a second, okay? You have Carson Wentz, who you tr- who you have traded up in order to uh, draft second overall. You have Carson Wentz locked up for five more years. Five. On paper, you're committed to this guy completely, fully. He's a good guy. He's a, he's a good quarterback. He's amazing. Yes, Hertz is a great athlete, has improved as a passer since he transfer, transferred from, from Alabama to Oklahoma. He went from a probable day three guy to rumors of teams trading back into the first round to take him. He ultimately is taken in the second round to a team that already has a franchise quarterback. Some people say, well, Wentz is always hurt. It is inconsistent with his health and his performance. Well, my answer to that is, if you're going to draft a guy to be his backup, why not draft a guy that is more like Wentz's playing style? Hurts is five inches shorter than than Wentz. And he doesn't nearly have the arm strength that Wentz has. Wentz has some really good arm strength. That's that's the reason why, even though he was a small school guy, he went. You know, he, he was he had, a, he had a really big body, had pretty good accuracy, and he had a cannon of an arm. Went Hertz is more of a guy. He's speedy. He's going to be great out of the pocket, but he's got to run away from you. But I don't understand if you're gonna if you're gonna draft a guy to be a backup, draft a guy that's a lot like your franchise quarterback. Don't draft another guy with a completely different skill set. Another theory that he was taken in the second round to help run the Taysom Hill type offense. My answer to you is this. 
why take someone that isn't proven in the NFL, waste a really high pick in the second round? Taysom Hill was undrafted and earned a spot playing special teams. Are you going to tell me that you're going to have your second round pick that is a pedigreed quarterback play special teams too? Can you see Jalen Hurts running down the t- down the field to make a tackle on punt team? No. Or <laughs> be in the back, of the, the, being a, a wedge blocker for a kickoff? No, get out of here! Don't 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 come in with that. This is this is. I have no idea what they're doing here in Philly. I really don't, and I'm not convinced that they're confident in what they're doing either. This this is why they're they're just. They have such potential. They they're just right there. They're 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 really good. They got Darius Slay, but then they just totally crapped their pants in the in the draft. And I just I don't I don't I don't know what's going on. Maybe they'll maybe they'll blow it out of the water. Doug Peterson will show why he's one of the greatest coaches in the league right now. I don't know. I I don't know. But this just this just does not make any sense to me. I'm with you that it doesn't re- really make sense to draft Hurts here. I think we both like Hertz as a prospect, uh, but not not in this situation. Carson Wentz is a great quarterback. He's still young. He's had some injuries, sure. They needed a backup, sure. But why not just go get a veteran backup or draft a, a late-round flyer quarterback to be his backup? This is a move that teams make when they're ready to to replace a quarterback a second round uh a second round pick a good athlete a project player that in a year or two should be ready to to go if if they really think he is their future so now the question is do they think he's their future in 2 years is this the hurts is this the hurts show i don't think so i re- i'm not buying it i'm no, not buying that they you you sign him you sign Carson Wentz to an extension where a huge he's contract. Five, yeah, he's going to earn over like $22 million a year. I, yeah. And, and I, it doesn't make any sense to me. None of this. No, it really doesn't. And, and a lot of the players that they have are, are to make Carson successful because it's his team. Yeah. You look at uh, even the, the kid they drafted, uh, Rager, the wide receiver from TCU. He's a speedy wide receiver. Uh, they've had success with speedy wide receivers. You know, Deshaun. Deshaun Jackson, but this is Wentz's team. This is a team built for success with Wentz, and I don't think that you take Wentz out and put Hurts in. I, I don't think it works. I don't think it works. So I agree. I agree that it's odd. It's definitely odd. I guess only time will tell what they want to do with Jalen Hurts. It's really seems to me like we're going to look back in a couple of years and think that they wasted this pick and possibly even hurt Hurts career. No pun intended, but I want to talk about the Chicago bears. I, you know, I was having a little bit of trouble trying to find a team for a second loser, I guess for this, for this segment, I thought I could make a case for Chicago being a loser this offseason because they they really needed 
tight end help, it felt. But then they signed Jimmy Graham, who is 33 years old, and he's on definitely the, the downside of his career. Not only did they sign him, though, they signed him to his two-year, $16 million contract with $9 million guaranteed. Again, let me remind you that Melvin Gordon signed practically for the same amount in Denver, and Eric Ebron signed for less money. And this is a 33-year-old tight end who's washed up, really. Not only that, they go and draft a tight end with good draft capital in uh, Cole Komet, a great tight end. So it really just didn't make sense. Then I thought, okay, they're, they're probably losers because of the Nick's Fo- Nick Foles coming into town. And I, and I know I've said that by week four, Nick Foles is going to be the, the starting quarterback and maybe he's an upgrade for Mitch Trubisky and all these things. But that uncertainty, that drama that it may or may not cause in this quarterback room is not good for a team. The more I think about it, I don't think they're losers this, this offseason. But I don't think they're winners either. So I wanted to talk to talk about them, but I wanted to talk about them in the loser segment because it's murky. It's really murky. They have a good defense. They have some some good players. Allen Roberts Robinson is a great wide receiver. But the murkiness in the quarterback position, the fact that they do weird things in the tight end position and give all this money to a washed up player and then and then draft another player with good draft capital. It just doesn't make sense. It almost felt like they were making moves, regretting them, making moves, regretting them. I don't think they are um, all-out losers this offseason. Chicago is still a great team. I just felt like I wanted to talk about a team that, in my opinion, did not have a good offseason. But as the chips are falling, I'm starting to realize they didn't have a losing off season, if that makes any sense whatsoever. You know, I, uh, I question this off season completely. You know, you see, uh, the bears is trading for Nick falls. Yeah. They, I think they've kind of like bitten the bullet and said, you know what? We, uh, Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky is just, he's not it. And then you sign a two year deal, $16 million with Jimmy Graham. And then you just you <laughs> you draft Cole Komet and your first pick, like in the second round, granted. Now they don't have a first round pick because of the uh Khalil Mack. Uh Khalil Mack trade. So they only had seven picks this 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 draft. And Cole Komet, while I do believe he is, uh, I've said it before in multiple shows before, he is my main crush in this draft. I think he's gonna have a great career. But they don't. I mean, you, you said Allen Robinson is a good receiver. Is he though? Like, I, I, I'm, I'm not saying he's not. But look, like, look I, at I the production he has been able to produce with Mitch Trubisky as his quarterback. He's a good receiver. He is, but like, they don't. You can't really invest in a receiver, I guess. Whenever you don't have a um, competent quarterback, you know. I, I don't like Nick Foles as a starter. I think that he got a lot of glory and for deservingly so for winning the Super Bowl once, you know, he came in for Wentz when he got hurt. But I look at their draft and 
they don't, they don't, nothing pops out to me to where like they get, they drafted a wide receiver. Their first wide receiver they drafted was 173. And it's from a small school. I just, I don't understand. Like, yeah, they have a great running back 2 0 with, uh, with David Montgomery and, uh, what's his name? Tariq Cohen. Tariq, yeah. David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen. I think that, that that's really go, good going for him. But, like, Chicago is just so bland. They just, there's nothing they that, are. like, jumps off at you. You're just kind of like, other than, like, Khalil Mack. They but really like, are. And I think that's why I initially wanted to put them in the loser segment. When I started delving in and looking into it, it was like, they really weren't losers. They just, they're just meh. Yeah, and it kind of leads into this. Speaking of meh, my 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 loser, my second loser, my last point are the Los Angeles Rams. Okay, they they mortgaged their future by trading first round picks for great players. You know, a couple of years ago, they traded their first round pick for Brandon Cooks from the Patriots. From Brandon Cooks, and, and then they come in and they do it again for Jalen Ramsey, and they trade this, that, and the other. And I, I just I don't understand when now you're here, you don't have Todd Gurley, you released him, you don't have uh, you don't have Brandon Cooks anymore. You traded him to the Texans for a second round pick. That's losing to me, and that's like you're losing money. And then you have. Uh, a couple of unproven guys at running back. You know, you have Henderson and, and Cam Akers, which I think Cam Akers can be something, but he's not proven. He's, he's, he's going off a chance. And I think Todd Gurley still has something in the tank. Yeah, I would not have given him that stupid contract, but he was somebody that still probably can make something of the team. They don't have that go-to guy. They have Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. You know, like... And Jared Goff, his production is really just like falling off. Uh, that's why I have them in my losers. I don't have a lot of like stats like I did with the with everybody else. But like, you mortgage your future by trading your first round picks for big players. You go to the Super Bowl with them for sure. But like now that these players are gone, you, they are or whatever. What do you have to show for it? You have really nothing to show for it. A Super Bowl appearance, pretty much. That's it. A Super Bowl appearance and Jalen Ramsey. Congratulations. Well, I and, think... And I... Yeah, go ahead. I, I, I don't see how they can win, especially in that division. You think everybody in that division got better except the Rams. Yeah. So that's why I have them as losers. I'll give you another another point to, to just kind of uh, piggyback your points and to making them losers for a while there it, it, people talked about their offensive line as the the you know to who to blame for their struggles last year it's that offensive line it's that offensive line it's that offensive line so they take a running back a wide receiver an edge a safety a tight end a linebacker a kicker all before they take a guard with their very last pick in the draft. <laughs> so that just honestly didn't make sense to me. I, I, I like Cam Akers going to the Rams. I think he will have great opportunity because I don't know if Henderson is the answer. Last year, 
when he was even when he was healthy uh, towards the end of the season, he wasn't getting any touches. He wasn't getting any playing time. He wasn't on the field. And when you're a team that has the opportunity to put somebody on the field and you don't, and they're a young upcoming prospect, it's because he's not the answer. So I like Cam Akers coming here. I think he's extremely talented. We talked about it last year. His offensive line was horrible and he still produced. He should fit in really well with the Rams. (laughs) <laughs> there you go but I don't know if, if that just solves all the problems uh, I, I do believe that they released Gurley maybe one year too soon yeah but maybe a, I agree with you but then again we'll see we'll see this season maybe they did the right thing but I do not disagree with you making them losers winners they definitely are not so if they're not winners I guess they're losers Ain't first, you're last. If you ain't first, you're last. That's right. Um, but but yeah. Next week we'll be talking about the AFC offseason winners and losers getting ready for this NFL season coming up. I feel like I don't know about you, Drew, as the weeks go by, I'm getting excited for this season. I don't know what I'm gonna do if we don't have an NFL season. I'm confident we will. I think things are starting to trend the right way, but still, it's it's nerve-wracking. How, how are you feeling about the NFL season? Are you confident we will have one? Confident? No. Uh, I think that you know, I'm kind of nervous that there's not one either. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm in that same boat, but I take courage that, like, um, professional sports, all their commissioners and, and whatnot are really taking into account that, like, they released these official polls for fan, fans. They're like, would you rather not have a season where you can go in person to watch it, or would you rather have a season and watch it from home? And everybody voted a season and watch it from home. Because I think people just really love sports. They need sports. They need something to, to entertain them and distract them from the world, you know. And I think that uh, this is definitely something that America needs. And I hope that we have a season for sure. And I think that it, it, you're right. It isn't trending in the right direction. Uh, we'll see. Hopefully soon we'll have uh, we'll have some answers. Tomorrow is the release of the schedule. And I'm really excited about that. Uh, to mention, you know, next week we do the AFC winners. The following week we're going to do a quick power ranking of who we see as how like best teams in NFL. And then uh we'll probably go over some uh following weeks, just kinda like when and wins and losses of teams judging by their season. So we'll see. I, I think I take I take courage that the NFL is still going to release their season. You know, I, I think that's really good. So we'll see I, I I'm I'm encouraged by the whole thing. That's right. Very excited about next week's episode. I'm glad you brought it up because it's our first ever power rankings. First ever time we do it. Drew will, Drew will have his own rankings. I will have my own rankings and we will talk about them. We will discuss them. Why is this team so high? Why is this team so low? So be sure to tune in next week to see where your team falls on our power rankings. As for this week, that's about all we have. Thank you so much. 10 episodes. I know we're still starting. I know we have a long way to go, but we're very excited to have reached this 
this small but meaningful milestone for us. That's right. Remember, if you want to be on the show, reach out to us. Podcast at gmail.com. And then uh, gridirongang at Twitter, on Twitter. At Grid Gang. At Grid Gang, yes. At Grid Gang on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Give us a shout. We love you guys. We look forward to seeing you next week. You guys have a good rest of the week. See you next week. AFC offseason winners and losers. Bye.